culture. And uh, I, I want to say this before we get any further. Uh, this, this applies to, to people. If, you, if you're not married yet, you need to listen up. If you're a teenager, you need to listen up. If, if you're uh, married with, with younger children or older children, you need to listen up. If you're grandparents and, and you're empty nesters, but you're still around your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, you need to listen up and write this down. Letter A, that great families are no accident. They are actually built. They are not found. So, so nobody wakes up one day and is like, wow, totally and completely on accident. We have a wonderful, healthy, vibrant, functional family. L- listen, that doesn't happen. Great families are no accident. They are built. They are not found. So, so meaning this, that if you want to have a great family life, you have to live life on purpose. You have to be strategic about it. I'm going to teach you that uh, today. I'm going to show you some scriptures in um, Hosea 4, 6 is where we're going to start. And uh, it says this, that my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Have you ever read that verse before? My people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. So we need more knowledge in our lives on how to have great families. James 1, 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This is what I want to say about those two verses. I need as much as I can get. I I need more than what I have. Let me say it like that. I need as much as I can get, and I need more than I already have. I need more knowledge, and I need to, to act that knowledge out. I need to live a wise Life. And the Bible says that knowledge and wisdom is there for the taking. It's, it's there for you. But you got to study it. You have to, you have to pursue it. I was going to go on a little rabbit trail, but I'm going I'm to hang back, maybe do that in a little bit. Letter B, write this down. So if others are doing better than me, they either know things that I don't know, or, or they do things that I'm not doing. So I, I want you to think about this. Do you know a family that's just, you, you just say, you know what? That family just seems to have it together. Like that family, they're a great family. They love being together. None of their children are rebellious. In fact, their children love to be around their mom and dad, and they're, they're involved in ministry, and, and they're just, they're, they're just a, a wonderful, functional, healthy, vibrant Family, can I? And, and then you look at yours. Sometimes you're like, well, "What happened to us? What, what's wrong with us?" You know, he, Jennifer and I have had that moment multiple times. Did you know that? That we've we've looked at sometimes at our family life or our home life, and like, well, well, you know, what are they doing that we're not doing? What do they know that we don't know? And so we we purposely went out and got information because we didn't want to we didn't want to put the fun and dysfunctional everybody. We actually want to be a functional, vibrant, healthy family. And if I were to say to you today, how many of you want that type of family? No matter how old you are, how young you are, you're going to say, yes, I want a healthy, vibrant, Christ-centered family. And yet, a lot of, a lot of families, even in the church, capital C, the church, are not experiencing that. And there's some issues. There's some reasons why, everybody. There's some reasons why. And today, I'm going to give you four things that actually destroys families, okay? So the first one, write this down, is, is the word stubbornness. Stubbornness will destroy a family. 
And I'm going to give you some scripture about this, and I'll show you what I mean. Proverbs 13.10 says, Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Now that, that word take, you might want to under, uh, underline that because it's, it's not the word just receive advice. In the original text, the, this word take is actually significant. It's a little bit more significant than what you would think. So, so let's read it like this. Where there is strife, there is pride. There is stubbornness. There is, hey, I already know it all. I don't need to learn anything. I don't have to change anything. I'm good. Everybody, the Bible says that there's strife when you have an attitude like that. So if you're, if you're the type of parent or grandparent saying, I got this thing figured out, can I tell you something? You don't. You don't have this thing because something will happen in your family that you've never gone through before. You've never experienced. They haven't experienced. And you're looking at it saying, what do I do about this? And the Bible says where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice, who not only hear the advice, but actually take possession of it. And there's a difference. It's somebody who actually takes possession of the advice, or they take the advice and actually live it out. They take ownership of it. That's the difference. So they're not just hearing wisdom. They're actually taking it, possessing it, and living it out in their life. So write this down. You already know this, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. Wisdom is knowledge in action. And you know that, right? There's a lot of, now this is, going, this is about to show my age, but some of you are going to understand what I'm about to say. There are a lot of Cliff Clavens in the world. It, so so some, that's the older generation laughing because they know what I'm talking about. Cliff Claven was on this sitcom named Cheers, and he was this postal worker that knew every answer to every, to every question. I mean, he, he was just a know-it-all. He, he could talk about anything at any time, but he was living a loser of a life, right? And there's lots of Cliff, Cliff Clavens. There's lots of people that have knowledge, but they don't actually act it out. They don't actually live it out. And the Bible says that wisdom is actually knowledge in action. I, I not only have, have this knowledge of how to live life, but I actually live life like that. That is wisdom. And there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. So I don't want to just be a person of knowledge. I also want to be a person of wisdom. I want to live out what I know to be true about God, about his word, about his character, and how he wants me to live life. So now I'm going to show you a different portion of scripture that, that, that is going to go even a little bit further into this, that wisdom in my heart, write this down, wisdom in my heart produces success in my life. Wisdom in my heart produces success in my life. Let me prove this to you in scripture. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as a man or as a woman thinks in their heart, that's who they actually are. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That as you, as you think, you will actually live, or you live what you think. Okay, so if I think like the world, I'm going to behave like the world. I'm going to say it again. If I think like the world, I'm going to behave like the world. But if I think like the word of God, then I'm going to, be, I'm going to behave according to the word of God. If I think godly thoughts, I'm going to live a godly life. 
As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So let's go, let's go a little bit further. As, especially as parents, maybe even future parents or grandparents, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if I think like the world, I'll behave like the world. Watch this. And your children will too. If you think like the world, you'll behave like the world. And your children will too. Let, let me show you this verse in scripture. Luke chapter 6 verse 40. The student is not above the teacher but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So, so parents, you produce who you are. They're like, ooh, I need to change. <laughs> right? And you know that to be true. You produce who you are. And, and there, there are proofs about this all the time, all the time. For instance... You have a child who grows up in an alcoholic home, and they say, you know what? I'll never touch alcohol. And, all, and consistently, what do we see over and over and over again? The children are alcoholic. And then the grandchildren are alcoholic. It, that it's, it just flows through the generation. You, you grow up in a home of, of somebody who uses a, a bunch of swear words. Well, I'm never going to use those words. But those words were fed to you so often that when you grow up, guess what kind of words you're using? And the Bible actually tells us that, that that's the case. That's how it happens. That when you, when, you are, when, when you live underneath somebody's authority, whatever the way that they act, however they think, whatever they believe is actually passed down from one generation to the next, that you actually produce who you are. Well, Jennifer and I, we loved, we, we, we thought, we had this thought, we love our children so much that we want to produce godly, loving, servant-hearted children. And we determined years and years and years ago, in fact, before we even had children, knowing that, they, that we were going to reproduce who we were, we decided a long time ago, we're going to be the real deal because we want our children to be the real deal. That we're going to be servant-hearted because we want our children to be servant-hearted. We're going to be loving because we want our children to be loving. That we're going to live this thing out. That we're not only going to train them by our words, we're actually going to train them with our actions and with our very life. That they're going to see it. And in order to do that, you have to embrace wisdom. And you have to reject pride. You have to get to a point where you say, you know what? I don't always know what I'm doing. But I'm going to find out how to do it right. Do, do you know how many books that my wife and I have read about parenting? We, we, we just read all the time. And in fact, uh, we, we did something that most couples don't do. And maybe you've heard me say this before. But I'll say it again because it's so wise. It's, it's such a great thing to do. That before my wife and I ever had children, um, we found people in, in, in the community of faith, in the church, that had multiple children. All of their children were wonderful kids that, that were loving God and servant-hearted. And we went to the mom and dad and we said, hey, could you come over to our house for dinner? 
Or, hey, can we take you out to dinner? Now, we were in our 20s, our mid-20s, and typically those families would say, no, but you can come over to our house. You know, we'll feed you. Like, and we don't expect you to feed all six of us or eight of us, so uh, no, you're not, you're not going to take us out to dinner. They would normally turn that around because that's the kind of people they, they were. And so we would go over to their house, and we would just interview them. You'd say, well, that's just silly, is it? I, I, I would look at them and say, I need to know what you're doing. I want to know. How are all of your kids such great kids? They're just wonderful kids. The, the first family we did this to was the Johnson family. Uh, There's still a family that, that we love. We don't see them hardly ever. Very rarely do we see them anymore. Um, but it was a, a mom and dad and three kids, two boys and a girl. And all of the children were just incredible children. Just loving, loved the Lord. They weren't rebellious in the least. And we went, we went to the mom and dad and we said, hey, can, can we just pick your brain? What, what do you know that we don't know? And the answers that they would give us as we interviewed these multiple people. In fact, there was a couple in Milwaukee that we, that we interviewed. It was the Perry family. We went to the Perry's house and said, hey, can we, can we just talk to you? What, what do you know? They had six children, and all of their children were just wonderful kids. Like the type of kids that, that you actually look up to. Because in a very fallen world, in a very dark world, they were actually living in the light. And, and so we, w- we w- went to their house and said, hey, what are you doing that, that, we're not, that we're not doing it? Or what do you know that we don't know? Because at that point, we had started having children. And, and, and the similarities were incredible. And it, and it really comes down to this, everybody. And you've heard this said before, but it really is true. And they didn't term it like this. I don't know that this was a phrase back 20 years ago uh, that, that was very common, but it is, it, it's more common today. That rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Have you ever heard that? Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And, and what we found out from, from both of those families, in fact, even a few more that we talked to, was that they had high-quality family time, that they had fun together as a family. At the same time, there were rules in the home that needed to be followed. And if you disobeyed the rules, there would be consequences. And it's interesting to, to me that both of the, 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 the husbands, the, the fathers, and, and specifically those two households, that they, they told me, they said, Justin, you've got to be a man of your word. If you say that you're going to discipline your child in a certain way, if they break the rule, then you have to be a man of your word. And I, so, so with my children, you can ask them all today, although two aren't here today as they're in college, but you can ask them, if dad said he was going to do something, then dad was going to do it. If dad said he was going to show up for something, dad was going to show up for something. At the same point, if dad said he was going to discipline them in a certain way, if they disobeyed, dad would do that. Listen, new song, I never had to raise my voice to my children. I, I never did that. Why? Because they knew that dad was a man of his word. I didn't have to yell at them. They knew that there was going to be a consequence. Now, you think, well, that's so strict. No, actually, in our house, we had so much fun, and we had such wonderful relationships with our children that they very rarely actually disobeyed the rules. But when they did, dad had to be a man of his word. Everybody get that? Okay, so I learned those things and so much more just from from asking people, what do you know that I don't know? 
Because I don't want my children to rebel against God, first and foremost. I want them to love God with all of their heart. And, and it would be really cool if they actually loved me and their mom. Like, that'd be awesome. And what would really be great is if they loved each other. That would be wonderful, too. So talk to us about that. High-quality family time. Lots of quality time together. Laughing and having fun. And yet, you have to be parents of your word. There's a lot, of, a lot of children, have you ever noticed, a lot of children will push you because they don't believe you. When you say, well, if you don't do that, then you, I'm going to take away. Well, then they do it and you don't take away, right? So they don't believe you. So you have to be men and women of your word, all right? Am I helping you out, anybody? Am I helping anybody out today? I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying my best. And if you look at our children, our children are not perfect. I promise you, I'll be the first to tell you, they are not perfect, but we have great kids. In fact, one of them, my youngest, is getting baptized today uh, in, in the third service. I, I get to baptize her today in the third service. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Stubbornness, don't be prideful. You'll pr you produce who you are. So, so take advice. Take the knowledge and act upon it. That's what wisdom is, knowledge and action. Don't be stubborn. Don't think that you know it all. You don't. I'm still asking questions of a lot of people. I still have people that I go to, even with, with my kids being at the age that they are. I still go to people and ask them questions. Hey, what did you do about? You know, I, I just find out as much as I can. Why? Because I, I, wanna, I don't want to be a good parent. I want to be a great parent. I want to be a great parent. I don't always get it right. You can ask my kids. I failed them a few times. But my successes far outweigh my failures. Because I try to not just have knowledge, but actually put knowledge into action, which is wisdom. The second thing after stubbornness is a three-letter word we call sin. <laughs> and it's a word that a lot of churches are refusing to use these days. Have you ever noticed that? Maybe you haven't. But churches all across this nation, really across North America, and probably around the world, they don't like using the word sin. They use the word mistakes. Can I tell you something? All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us at one point in our life knowingly rebelled against God. We knew what to do and we did not do it. Or we knew what not to do and we did it anyway. We didn't just make a mistake, everybody. We sinned. And, and, and can I tell you something? That the gospel of grace is so much more beautiful when we admit who we really are. That when we talk about the reality of sin and not just mistakes, and that Jesus came to save us from our sins, it actually makes the gospel far more beautiful because it shows our wretchedness and it shows his perfection and his love and his mercy and his grace in our life. Everybody, let's never be afraid to use the word sin. And all of us have done it. And the problem is, if you're a believer, you hate it that you do it. You hate it that you still struggle with it. You don't want it. If you're a believer in Christ, it doesn't mean you're, you're, you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're going to be sinless. What it means is that you're not going to like the sin anymore. That you're going to say, oh, Lord, 
Save me from this. I don't want to do this anymore. I, I don't want to rebel against you. That, that's what Paul said in the book of Romans. He said, listen, I, I do the things I don't want to do, and sometimes I don't do the things that I should be doing. Who's going to save me from this? And he says, only Jesus. Only Jesus. Everybody, that's the gospel, that Jesus is a savior to sinners, not a savior just to mistakers. Come on, that'll preach right there. He's a savior to sinners. So admit it. Just the, the Bible says we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to others for healings. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness, and he's faithful and just to forgive us, but we go to others for healing. We confess our sins one to another, the Bible says, so that we may be healed. So first of all, we need to take some ownership in this area of our life. You need to have someone in your life in which you are transparent with to say, listen, I really struggle in this area. You know, for, for uh, uh, it, it took me years to learn that. And I wish I would have done it earlier. I wish I would have been more open earlier in my life. And it would have saved me a lot of headache, a, a lot of struggle. I love what Proverbs thirteen nineteen says. It is pleasant to see dreams come true. Let, let's just stop right there just for a second. You can leave the verse on the screen, but let's stop right there for a second. It's so pleasant to see dreams come true. For, for all of us who have children, and for those of you who will have children in the future, there's that moment in time where you're holding your newborn child, and, and you're thinking pleasant thoughts. You're thinking, oh. I can't wait. This will be someone I love you so much. And I, it was going to be wonderful. You, you, you know what I'm saying? You're thinking you have all these pleasant dreams. We're going to get, we're going to be like best friends. It's going to be, awesome. I'm going to take you hunting and you're going to kill your first deer at the age of six. It's going to be wonderful. I'm going to be there for, maybe you wouldn't have that thought, but I did. All right. So, and you have these dreams for your children. You have these, and they're pleasant dreams. You have this goal for your family, and it's a wonderful goal. But let's read the rest of the verse. It's pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn from evil to attain them. Some of you might need to memorize that verse. That all of us have these, boy, I wish my family was like, and I wish we could get this in order, and, and, and I wish we would, we would all act like this and look like Jesus and act like Jesus and talk like Jesus, and I wish we were all loving, we're all on the same page, and can I, can I tell you something? Sometimes the issue in our life isn't just stubbornness, sometimes it's just plain old sin, that we refuse to turn away from things that would keep us from achieving goals in our life. Let me put it in practical application here. Have you ever been sitting there with a the family, watching something on television, and some, something tells you, you know what, as a man or woman of God, I need to turn this off, but you didn't? Allowing, allowing things in your house that you know Jesus wouldn't approve of, that you have this dream of, of, of your family really loving God with all of your heart. You have this dream of integrity. You have this dream of, of, of just being a great, godly family. And you find yourself still struggling with issues like what you say, 
Maybe not only what you watch, but what you say. And then you make excuses. Well, my kids know not to say that. Well, I have an idea. Why don't you turn away from that? Why don't you go to your children and say, children, I fail in this area. And I want you to know that God and I are working this out. And I'm going to ask you for forgiveness. I'm I'm already going to God. I want to ask you for forgiveness. And would you help me? Because I want to be a man of integrity. I want to be a woman of integrity. Would you help me? Would you help me control my mouth? Oh, that's humbling, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, I, I remember one time I... I went to my children. We, we had watched a movie, and they were getting older. This is about 10 years ago. And, and as we're watching this, this movie, I decided to let it keep playing, and I, I thought, you know what? My kids are going to face it at some time. They're going to face it at some point. They're going to see this or hear this, and I don't even remember what it was. And, I, and, and we all watched this movie together, but the whole time I wasn't really enjoying it because I knew it wasn't something that should be played in my house. And it wasn't some rated R movie. You know, it wasn't some like... You know, it was what, I, in fact, I would guess that 99% of all other believers across the nation was watching at that time. And yet I, I was really struggling with it. And the next day I pulled my children aside after they got home um, from, from school, I believe, the next day. And I said, guys, I just want to apologize to you. Your dad let something in this house that shouldn't have been in this house. Would you forgive me? And just help me next time to know. And you know, it wasn't just a few days later we were watching something and one of my kids spoke up and said, Dad, we shouldn't be watching this. And they caught something that I didn't even catch. I wasn't even paying attention. And I I just said, hey, I'm so proud of you. We just shut it off. Can, Can I tell you something? Your children can still survive. In fact, your children can thrive when you draw a line in your home concerning sin and embracing holiness. And they'll give you a hard time about it sometimes. Don't you know that my kids have come home? And my kids go to a Christian school. Well, all my friends have seen it. Don't care. I love you, but no. <laughs> That's what my mom used to say to us all the time. She's here in the room. It was her, it was her ongoing phrase, I love you. No. <laughs> I love you, no. I would not use that on your own children, by the way. It really just it hurt me, everybody. It hurt me, mom. It hurt me. And... uh yeah. <laughs> but can I tell you something? Your children need to be told no when it comes to ungodly things. And they need to see you live it out. And one of these days, it's their choice. Right now, we're in that f- phase of life where we're watching our, our two sons at college and we, we raised them to release them. And now we're just watching how they live life. And there's been a couple times, oh yeah, we went to see that. And on the inside, my, my wife and I are like, oh, mm, oh, you didn't. One, one time, uh, my, my son said, I, I, went to go, I went to go see that. And we're like, oh, no. He said, I just was calling you guys. Don't go see it. I actually left the movie early. I just walked out. <clears throat> <laughs> That's my boy right there. That's my boy. Can, can I tell you, you're going to see your kids fail at times. But you need to hold the standard high. You need to live a life of integrity and reject sin. Am I helping you today? I'm trying to. Because it's important. What you allow in your home, what you allow to come out of your mouth, what you allow in your, in your minds, what you allow on your computer, it matters. And it's not a mistake, everybody. It's just flat-out sin. 
And we need to draw a line in the sand and say, not in my home and not in my life. Number three. Oh, can I, well, I, I didn't even tell you this. See, I got to tell you this first. God just gave this to me a, a few days ago on Wednesday. God just gave me this. That well, Listen to this, everybody. Sin never produces what is truly desired. Did you know that? The sin never produces. If you are a Christian, let, let me say it like this. If you are a Christian, sin will never actually produce what you truly desire. Because if you are a Christian, a born-again believer, you want the things of God, that you long to live a life of integrity and holiness and love and caring for others. See, I have this dream to be a godly, faith-filled, loving, biblically wise man. I have this dream. And I've learned in my life that sin never truly produces what I dream about being. Sin never produces what I really dream about. And you think, yeah, but I want to see this though. Well, what will it produce in you? Will it produce in you the man or woman that you want to be in Christ Jesus? And if the answer is no, we got to learn to draw the line. And if you're all wise, you'll start rooting for the Packers instead of the Bears. <laughs> Just throw that right in there. Number three, because we all know the Packers are, uh, don't get me started on Aaron Rodgers. He can go now. Okay, number three, selfishness, selfishness. In this nation, selfishness reigns, it reigns supreme. I, I know you're seeing that just like I am. Watch what the Bible says. James three, but if you harbor bitter, bitter envy, and selfish ambition. And by the way, you could just term those greed as another word for that. So if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, in, in quotes, so there's a little sarcasm attached to this. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual. Watch this word, demonic. Oh, can you believe? Could you believe that? Like, is that, that should get your attention. When, when we struggle with bitter envy and selfish ambition, it's not just unspiritual and earthly. The Bible says it's actually demonic. And so, so I looked up that word. You know what it means? Demonic. It, it literally means, it literally means resembling or proceeding from evil spirits. Resembling or proceeding from evil spirits. Now, if I were to ask you as Christians, and hopefully we all are in this room, if not, I'll, I'll give you a chance at the end of the service to accept Christ. If I were to say to you as a, as a Christian, do you want demonic activity in your life? Do you want to look like a demon? And you would say, uh-uh, no way. Did you know that bitter envy and selfish ambition resembles and proceeds from evil spirits? How many know we need to reject that in our life? We need to reject greed in our life.
Okay, so the issue of greed, write this down, the issue of greed is actually solved through generosity. How do you, how do you combat greed? You live a life of generosity. You live a life of generosity. Okay, so why does selfishness destroy a family? Well, first of all, selfishness is demonic activity. How many know that's not going to go very well? It's not going to go very well in your home if you allow that in your home. So your home should be, should be focused on not, not only the love of Christ and not, not only uh, wisdom and not only holiness, but it should be known for generosity. It should be known for generosity. Let me ask you this. Are you a generous person? And remember, you produce who you are. So if I were to ask you, how many of you want, to all the parents in the room or the grandparents, how many want your children to, to, to grow up and you want them to love Jesus and you want them to care for others and you want them to be extremely generous? And as Christians, we would all look at that and say, yeah, that's what I want for my kids. I want my kids to live that out. Then you have to live that out because you produce who you are. You produce who you are. I've, I've told you this before, but again, in probably every family series that I teach, I always say this, and there's reason for it, and I'm going to say it again, and I'll keep saying it, that every year, as we do our taxes, as we get our taxes, we, we, we have pulled our children together, those who are living at home now, Isaac and Isaiah, they're not there, we don't have this conversation with them anymore, but they are extremely generous young men, that we pulled our family together, and we would show them how much money we make. And how much we gave away. Well, well Pastor, that, that's, that's personal information. It's not when you're generous. In fact, it shouldn't stay personal. It should stay personal to everybody else, but it should not stay personable to your family. I wanted my kids to know. I, hey, hey, guys, I practice what I preach. I want you to know that we give more than we have to give because we love Jesus that much. And we actually look at it. Can you believe that the Lord allowed us to give away that? Isn't that awesome, guys? We're going to go celebrate. Let's go to Mi Camino. You know, like, you're like, that's not much of a celebration. Well, whatever. But we celebrated. We celebrated the generosity because we produce who we are. We want, to, we want our children to be very generous. And so we raise them to be generous. From, from a very young age, my daughter, who's getting uh, baptized this morning, she's 12, my youngest, and uh, my, my youngest already tithes. And she gives offerings, and all of my children do, all of them. And we just taught them that, hey, as long as you live in our house, we're going to tithe first, and then watch the Lord bless you. And you know what the Lord does? Even at their age, he blesses them. And every time they get blessed, oh, look at that, the Lord blessed you. Isn't that wonderful? Now we're going to tithe on that too. And now it's a no-brainer. In fact, my, my children come to me and say, Dad, I, you know, even when they were 16, 17, 18, Dad, I, I forgot to tithe this past Sunday. Can, can you take this to the church for me? And it would have been like five bucks, 10 bucks. Absolutely, I will. I'm going to take this to the church. I'm going to put it in the safe when I get to the church. Because well, see, see, everybody, you produce who you are. My son, my oldest son, I'm so proud of him that 
He, ha- he works for a church. In fact, the, the church, that school that he goes to is, is affiliated with a church, and they're actually already offering him positions for ministry. I don't know that he's going to move back here. And, and I'm, I'm excited about that and brokenhearted at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? Because he's answering the call of God. And, you know, he called us one day. He said, we said, hey, listen, son, I just want to make sure you're still tithing, that you're still giving in offerings and things like that. He said, oh, yeah, Dad. He said, they, they actually just pull it right out of my paycheck. I don't even see it. I, I just have them pull the tithe out right off the bat. And, and, and I thought, what, a, what an incredible thing. Like, he's not perfect, but he's generous. And, and, and actually, all of, my, all of my children are. But we, we raised them that way. And by the way, you produce who you are. So do you want to have generous children? Do you want to have generous grandchildren? You need to be generous. They need to see it in your life. And not just with money, everybody. With time, with your energy, with work ethic. You need to be servant-hearted, caring for others. They need to see that. Number four. This is a huge one. Spontaneity. Four things that will destroy a family. Stubbornness, which is pride. Sin. Selfishness. And the last one, you think spontaneity. Yeah, spontaneity. Because there's a lot of people who just say, well, we just take it day by day. No, you shouldn't be doing that. Well, we just take it moment by by moment, you know, one day at a time. Like, we're going to get these teenagers out of our house at some point, just one day at a time. Listen, that's, that's bad parenting. Can I tell you something? That's bad parenting. Don't be spontaneous when it comes to your family. Let, let me show you this in scripture. Luke 14, 28 says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to actually complete it? It's just, this is a verse about counting the cost. So when my wife and I were, were much younger, again, 20 plus years ago, we looked at each other and we just, we, we just talked to, to, to each other and to, obviously to other families. And we just started to count the cost. Okay, what do we want to build as a family? As a family, we want to be loving. We want to be Christ-like. We want to embrace holiness. We want to have fun together. But we also want to teach our kids and live out the word of God. Like we want all these things. And so we started counting the cost. We started saying, how are we going to plan for that? Because spontaneous parenting, not wise. In fact, everybody, uncommon families are a product of uncommon planning. (laughs) Uncommon families are a product of uncommon planning. So my wife and I, And all of the the great parents that we interviewed, they had a plan. This is how we're going to live our life. So let let me tell you about our plan. That we made a plan years and years ago. That Jesus Christ was going to be the center of our lives. Central. We were going to be a God-focused family. Every day. Without fail, we were going to learn the word of God and we were going to live out the word of God. We decided that we were going to embrace integrity 
and holiness. We decided that we were going to be a family of love, a family of generosity, a family who genuinely cares for their neighbors. We decided, here's another one, that church and attending church, God's design, non-negotiable. We're like, pastor, you have to be there. You're a pastor. Do you know my, my kids have come to me multiple times as, you know, as they were growing up, dad, do I have to go to church tomorrow? I'm exhausted. We just went to, I just had this big event. I didn't get home until like one o'clock on Saturday morning because I was at a birthday party. Can I, do I have, non-negotiable. I don't care what you do on Saturday night. We go to church on Sunday. It's the first day of the week in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God, non-negotiable. So I, I'm telling you, my family isn't perfect. I hope I, I, I could tell you stories, everybody, but I promised my kids I wouldn't. So <laughs> I'm trying to honor my kids right now. Like, Dad, you're not going to say, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna, I got stories. But the house of God was a non-negotiable in our life. And what I found out today in today's culture, can I just be honest with you? People, people miss the non-negotiable because little Johnny has a little runny nose. Don't live life like that. The devil will give you every excuse in the world not to gather with other believers. He'll give you every excuse in the world not to live a life of holiness, not to live a life of generosity, not to live a life of love. And there were just things in our homes that was just, they were just non-negotiable. We're gonna be a family that is centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we had a plan. And our plan was primarily, we're gonna focus on Jesus and we're gonna have tons of fun together. We're gonna have a riot. We're gonna laugh. We're gonna play. The TV is not gonna be the center of attention in our house. It's gonna be us. And we, we, I created the stupidest games that you would ever think of as our, as our children growing up during different phases. It, I, I just create games where I'd throw a ball at them as they run across the room to see if I could hit them. Now, it was a softball, but I don't mean a softball. I mean, it was a squishy ball. <laughs> Turn that a little bit differently. Do you know how many Friday nights I camped out on the floor with my kids? And you think, well, why would you do that? Because rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So every Friday night, my kids came home so excited from school. Dad, it's camp out night. We get to camp out. And I'd sleep on the floor right along with them. Now, I'd put cushions on the couch on the floor and then sleep on the cushions. But, I mean, come on. There are some limits that we got to put in place. But I'm trying to help you, everybody. Reject Reject stubbornness in your life. Don't, don't live a life of pride. Reject sin. Reject selfishness. And don't live a spontaneous life in your family. Plan it. Plan it. Plan it. And then you'll see success in your home. You receive the word of the Lord today, yes or no? Okay, this is all application. This is all go home and live this out. No doubt, I've probably said some things in your mind that you're like, yeah, we got to do better at that. How many had, just out of curiosity, how many had a moment this morning you said, you know what, we got to do better than that. That's a place that we're failing in our home. We got to do better than that. Raise your hand. 
All right, me too. In fact, I, I had an area too, like, oh, you know what? I got to hit that again. I got to go to that again. So this is all application. So stand up with me. I never like ending a service without giving people an opportunity to, to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of their life. And so I'm going to do that first. And, um, and then I'm going to pray for you all today. And I want you to know here's a church family. We are here for you. So if you need help, if you need counsel, if you need um, just to talk to somebody about some, some maybe parenting skills or grandparenting skills, we, we got people here, here that can help you. Um, all, we're just a phone call away, an email away, and, and we're here for you. So just ask, just ask. That's what, that's what we do. We live for your benefit. That's what love does. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to tell you this. The good news is that Jesus came to save sinners of which I am one and you are too. But I'm saved by grace through faith, not of my own works. And by the way, not of your works either. We've been saved by grace through faith. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's that simple. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. And if today you give Jesus your heart, you can go to our guest services, there's a book there called Fresh Start that we want to give you free of charge. If you pray this prayer, make sure you go to guest services. So I'm going to pray this prayer and then we're going to, I'm going to pray for all of you. It goes like this. Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, the best way I know how, I call out to you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Today I repent of my sins and I confess that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And today... I make you Lord of my life. Today I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Come in and take control and help me to follow you all of the days of my life. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer, it's just that simple. Now I'm gonna pray for every family in this room. In fact, could you just open up your hands or if you want to, if, you're, if your family members are next to you, you just put your arms around them if you want. Father, I dedicate each family to you today and I speak a blessing over them that they would have a, a heart of godliness, that they would long for you more than anything else in this world. Lord, I bless them not only with the desire but the discipline to make Christ the center of their home. Father, I declare over them wisdom according to your word. I declare over them a heart that rejects pride and rejects stubbornness but embraces wisdom, that takes possession of it. I declare over them today the knowledge that sin never truly produces, never produces what is truly desired, which is more of you, to live a life of godliness in Christ Jesus. Sin never produces that in our life. I pray that we would understand it, that we would have divine understanding of what sin does produce, that sin produces separation from you. It doesn't pull us towards you. It pushes us away. Lord, I declare freedom in the name of Jesus Christ in all of our lives and in the lives of our children and in the lives of our grandchildren. And for our kids and grandkids that don't know you as Savior, Father, we pray on their behalf today, Lord, capture their hearts, capture their attention.
and may they surrender their life to you. Have mercy upon our children and our grandchildren, Lord. Today I speak over my church family a heart of generosity that they would reject selfishness and they would live lives of, of generosity not only with money, but with their time, with their energy, with their giftings. Lord, that they would live life according to your purpose. And Lord, that they would have the wisdom to plan ahead and to not just take it day by day. But Lord, we're reminded that without vision, people perish. Lord, give them a vision of what their home is meant to be like, what their home is meant to not only look like, but what they and their children, their grandchildren are meant to experience. And may all of our homes be a refuge, a place of peace and rest and joy in the Holy Ghost. Let it be, Father, according to your word. I pray it in Jesus' wonderful name. And if you agree with that and receive the word of the Lord, say amen. 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 God bless you guys. Take some time and greet one another. Hang out. And remember, one invitation can change a life. So invite somebody next Sunday morning.